This episode is sponsored by Ionic. To learn more, visit ionicframework.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Alex, and today on our panel we have Ari. Hello. Tessa. Hi. And our special guests for this episode are Chris Coyer. Hello. And Stephen Shaw. Hello. Chris, tell us about yourself a little bit. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of you. Oh, right on. I, uh, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, by the way. Very, thanks for coming. Yeah, that's great. I really like topic-specific anything. I used to really like going to topic-specific conferences back when conferences existed and podcasts. Just All the old much. days. Mm-hmm. The before times. Yeah, I'm here with Stephen, who you'll hear from in two seconds. We both work at CodePen, which is like an online... I used to say playground, but that makes it feel so childish, doesn't it? It's really a (laughs) place to write code. A social development environment is the grown-up way to to, to say it. So you have an account, you know, and then anything you build there, we generally call a pen. And uh, so there's a a special view editor that we'll get to. But generally, it's for front-end web designers and developers. You write HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you save the thing, and it's called a pen, and then it has aspects of a social network to it, right? Like, I can like yours, and you can like mine, and we can comment on each other, and then we apply machine learning to it and tell everybody what the hottest things are that day. So if you go to the homepage of CodePen, you'll see things that are trending and things that your friends are doing and stuff. So it's a, you know, it's like it's like apply the social network model in, in a sense to, to, to coding. <laughs> Awesome. Steven, tell us about yourself. You clearly work for CodePen. Uh, yeah. So I work with Chris on CodePen. We uh, kind of get all the front endy stuff working and, and all those uh, all those fun little challenges of making something that people type code into and then it executes. Uh, that's, that's always very exciting. And yeah, be, before that, I was uh, working at a advertising agency building, you know, websites for, for clients. And that was when I like initially found out about Vue and was coming from like, you know, a traditional like HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript kind of approach um, with PHP mixed in there. And then uh, when I discovered Vue, I started integrating Vue into that, into like Vue in WordPress and like all these weird combinations that were probably not the intention of using Vue, but it helped me bridge the gap from, you know, kind of a server rendered model to a client rendered model. And uh, yeah, I fell in love a little bit. Awesome. So I'm going to ask Tessa and Ari here too. And do y'all use CodePen? Have y'all ever used CodePen? And if you do, how do you use it? Ari, there is a right answer to this. (laughs) There is a right answer. I have used it. I did not realize until recently, like that you can do stuff specifically in view with it. Otherwise, I probably would have been using it more when, you know, I just need like a little proof of concept. But I don't do a lot of coding outside of like the projects I'm working in. So I probably don't use it as much as I should. Tessa, how about you? I generally use CodePen if I, well, I used to use CodePen if I wanted to try out something, but I didn't want to be weighed down by the production app. But then I made my own separate repo with a very childish name, View Playground. So now I mainly use CodePen if I want to have an isolated example to share with someone else. And like there's other editors that I think maybe before the changes we'll discuss today had some features that CodePen didn't have available, but CodePen is a bit lighter and faster. So a lot of times that would be one of my first go-tos. Cool. Yeah, I definitely use CodePen a lot to make mockups and examples that I can quickly share with other people. And I use it to, uh, especially when somebody goes, hey, how does this thing work? I can very quickly just like jump into a pen and be like, all right, let's import the things that we need and then go, right? And just like start writing stuff. And so, yeah, I use it all the time for demos and examples and stuff. So yeah, Chris, you kind of explained it a little bit already, but if you want to go into it a little bit more, like, so what was like the inspiration for making CodePen? Like, where did it come from? Like, give us a like quick 
30 second to a minute history of code pen mm, sure you know it's kind of middle-aged you know it's not like this brand new startup that we're on this podcast to talk about in fact next year will be 10 years of code pen being around and i've worked on it full time for those 10 years so it's real like real pretty near and dear to my heart i'd say you know and it's like a it's like an app that has pro plans and we do some advertising stuff on it so it's also like super definitely a job i mean i literally pay steven see him over there that guy and i appreciate it on the payroll yeah that's how (laughs) That's how well we're doing. It's amazing. Um, Go GoPro, by the way. <laughs> it's mandatory. <laughs> uh, right. So, like, not totally like a spring chicken, you know? Like, a, it's kind of it's kind of old. And we've gone through so many technological change. I know that's not exactly what you asked me. But it's kind of like, you know, imagine 10 years ago, if you didn't exist, we certainly weren't like, how do we build this app? Let's use a client-side JavaScript framework. People would be like, what's a client-side JavaScript framework? Like, that wasn't a thing. So this is an app that, you know, was Ruby on Rails and jQuery and just whatever we slapped together at the time. And, and it's, it's, so, it's also so big. I don't know if people, you know, have a good mental model of other people's apps, but I feel like I feel like sometimes people are like way off when you like, you're like, Oh, fresh books. How complicated could that be? Or something, you know? And you're like, I don't know. Here's the answer. Super extremely, you know, like CodePen has like a lot of crap going on. It's very complicated uh, to me. There's a lot of, a lot of services, lot, just a lot going on. So as we kind of work on it, it's so cool to like still be, around and like excited about it and building new stuff and have a strong vision for where we're going and have like the technological prowess of a smart team you know which you know thank god we have steven geez <laughs> to push us right like like we can now build a uh, you know we're building a, a code pen of, with with more modern architecture that's that's awesome it's not the it's not the last time we or you know not the first time we've re-architected and won't be the last you know so we're just we're we're nerds. We like staying on top of that kind of stuff. Where it came from ten years ago, the like the real quick story was that I have a a blog that I also still have. I'm kind of a believer in the long long term projects called CSS Tricks. You know, so if you've never seen that, it's a terribly hokey name, and it's not just only CSS Tricks. I just it's just the name of my stupid blog. But I write about all all kinds of stuff web related, mostly front end related. There's a CSS bend to it because I like CSS. You know, I try to stay on top of it. But we'll write about. We have articles on Vue. We'll have articles on React. We'll have articles about WordPress. Whatever. We just talk about building websites as long as I have like el- enough expertise in that piece of tech that I'm not that I can vouch for it essentially you know if it's a weird like i don't have any articles about ember because i've never once touched it so sorry you know maybe we'll get there but whatever and so i've always had this blog forever there's tens of thousands of articles on it and i write about front-end stuff and i always wanted like you should be able to read an article about front-end development and more than just a code snippet sitting there, you should be able to like see the output from it. In the very early days, it was, I'm just going to make like an HTML file and FTP it up somewhere. And I'm going to link you to that. And you, that's my demo. So I'm like, okay, blah, 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 do this. And then I'd make a button or probably like a href, a link to that class equals button view demo and you just go to it and you'd look at it and if you want to see the source you'd freaking view source on it if you want to or whatever so that i have demos and i had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of demos like this is how you do tabs and css this is how you'd make you know uneven border radiuses on things or whatever just hundreds of and then i was like entrepreneurially about it right because it's always been a little entrepreneurial i'm gonna put ads on them but i have hundreds of demos where the hell am i gonna put the ads like so i went back to all my demos and i made them index.php instead of index.html now that they're php they can have includes so i'm gonna put a header on them and a footer on them and on the header i'm gonna put a logo that says this is it demo by css tricks and then the footer i'm going to put google analytics so now i can track my google analytics and if i ever need to change this crap because the design of the site changes now i can do that and then i if i want to put an ad up there i will i don't even remember if i ever did but i had to like invent a way to do demos that didn't suck you know that i could put in articles because there was no great way as just a wordpress blog i can't just like dump 
HTML arbitrary crap in the blog, but it's not going to age very well. So, but prior art to CodePen, like the tools like JS Fiddle and JS Bin predate CodePen. They've been around longer and they're still both around and eventually made embeddable views of them. And at the time at CodePen, I was like, I should probably pick one of these and do all my demos in it because those apps are like next gen. That is really super smart. I don't know who's the first person who had that idea was, which one was the winner, but it's a damn good idea. The idea is you can see the code and the output at the same time, which is a in the world of programming is just necessary to do what you do. We all work all day programming. You got your freaking browser open. You got your code editor open and that's how you work. So bringing that into one browser window is pretty cool. I still feel like we're not even really at the cloud IDE level, but we're kind of getting there. You know, hopefully CodePen can be part of that story. But I was like, I should just pick one of these, move all my demos to it, then I can embed them in blog posts and the experience for everybody that reads my blog is better. So I, I roped in some friends and we built the first version of CodePen and the whole point was embedding. It wasn't the, the website itself. It was putting demos elsewhere. So that was like the first feature we ever built for it. But of course, you need this full screen experience to actually build the things. So, you know, V1 of CodePen was basically just like a clone of JS Fiddle. It's just that we, you know, we were like young and cocky and like, we're going to do, we're going to do what you do, but better. <laughs> How all great ideas start. And then it just was like the, you know, the super quick start was like, well, this was fun. Look at all these people that like, like using it, that prefer Mm -hmm. it. How do we know what cool stuff people are making? Let's make an admin screen that just like does a database query. That's just like output everything in order. So we can look at it and then we'd look at it and be like, this is amazing. Look at all this cool crap people are making. Maybe we should make that the homepage. So we did, you know, which is just like output everything in order, basically. And then you're like, but if we put a like button on it, then we could order them by likes. But we also have the time, too. So let's write a decay algorithm that would, you know, that over time will like not remove likes, but value them less. So that the homepage is this algorithmic representation of the coolest stuff on CodePen. And then we'll add comments and then we'll track views and then we'll do this and this and this. And then the algorithm gets more complicated. And then you have to build an the whole thing became self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and that is why we now have 10 years later, you're like, what if we do this? What if we do this? You know, we're still doing that literally a decade (laughs) later, you know? Awesome. Yeah, that is fantastic. I have i don't think I've ever actually heard the full like start of why CodePen started. This is great. Well, I was going to say, as long as CodePen doesn't decide that it loves JS Fiddle and JS Bin and all the other code sandbox type sites, and then they all go off into space together and we're left alone. <laughs> we're not at that level of self-awareness yet. Need to figure out how to embed a JS Fiddle and a CodePen in a thing and a thing and just have it be like self-referential all the way around. <laughs> so one of the features that you've introduced recently in the last year and a half i think 2020 has really thrown off my my time understanding of time is you've made an editor for view single file components what was the impetus for that like what drove y'all to do that because i feel like there were several other editors that came out at the same time too i think there was like a flutter editor and some other stuff so what what was the inspiration for that I've kind of been the main proponent of like view for the CodePen team. Like the the UI of of CodePen migrated to like a React Rails hybrid probably three years ago, something like that. And so most of the team is very familiar with React, keeps up with the React ecosystem, but Vue wasn't as as known. So when I when I came in, I was more experienced with Vue, but coming into a React world and I saw so much of the value of of like view and the way that single file components work. And that's very much a code penny thing. Like, you know, the HTML, CSS, and JS, like seeing all that at one time. And we were approached about the Flutter editor and and got that up and running. And that that got us thinking like, how can we make more customized editors for different languages or different processing types? And we had plenty of ideas about about that, and we're still evolving that and how that like shapes the future of CodePen. But Vue was one that 
was very much like the Flutter setup. Flutter has kind of a single file component-ish setup. I, I, it's not named anywhere near that. But with with Vue, the way that you you have the template, you have a style, and you have the script all kind of baked in there, it made it really easy for us to kind of integrate that as a Vue file, send it off through our processing system as specifically a view file and then spitting that back out mm -hmm. um, into into our preview area and shortly after that like view three was becoming a thing so we added the a selector for view two or view three and the the view team i believe was using some of it for their docs they're they're using codepen um, overall, for for a lot of the a lot of the demos and the and the view editor specifically for for some of them. That's right. Um, that was a big part of it, wasn't it? That kind of like mm -hmm. we got to get this ready because they said they're willing to use it in the docs. Yeah. Like for any company, you're like the crap load of people look at those docs. That's like a we need you moment. You know, like there's a you know in business exchanges, there's always kind of a incentive on one side. And the incentive was for us to make sure that that worked because that's just good for business to be in the docs of a major project like Vue. Uh, yes, please. So yeah, we've just kind of iterated on it from there and, and, and made improvements and responded to user feedback. And uh and yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty sweet little experience for getting familiar with Vue or just like dropping a Vue single file component into the editor and and you know having it uh, easily shareable and like you know other other people can use that as a template or you know like uh, adapt it and, and play with it. Mm. It's it's a very nice experience for single file component. It's a uh... In a way, just behind the scenes, it's also kind of a proof of concept for us. Like I already mentioned, CodePen is super complicated, right? Like at one level, you could be like, how easy is this? You like, you already have a system that takes some code and it processes and it shows you some output. So like, how hard can it be to just make another one that takes a different kind of output and farts it into an iframe? You know, you're like, the answer is, it's not really, some of that stuff really isn't actually that hard, but like, you have a system that then needs to know what kind of thing you're making and the data model needs to support all that. And the UI is pretty similar, but it's a little different. Like Steven mentioned, it has a dropdown to select view two or three. Well, that's totally unique to the view editor and not the other editor. So what do you just copy and paste the settings modal HTML to make a second one? No, that's ridiculous. Now you have the technical debt burden of having two different settings modals that you'd have to keep in sync for the rest of your life. So a lot of this is like, how do we re-architect CodePen in such a way that you can do things like that and not, not have it be such an embarrassing amount of technical debt that you'll freaking never do anything again. Because apps that are 10 years old really can struggle with that. Like it's just an amazing amount of work to just keep it going at all, let alone be nimble and want to move forward and do new cool things. So it's that. And like we take screenshots of pens. Does our, does this new system know how to take a screenshot of itself, even though it's new technology? And there's that's the tip of a giant iceberg of stuff. So if we're like, let's re let's do this, let's get, let's do this for the view team. Let's make a custom editor. Not only will it be awesome. And I think the result is pretty good. It was a, it was a, you know, let's do another one too. Let's also have a flutter editor. That way we're proving out the concept that we're not building a one-off. We're not doing something that's just for this one technology. We're going to set ourselves up in making smart choices that can support a variety of technologies. So. There's just those two editors for now, but I mean, you can imagine it doesn't take much imagination to see where we might head with that type of technology. Yeah. But there, it is what it's, I think a, a developer seeing it for the first time would be like, this is weird, kind of. It's like one, one input and one output. It's like you put a single file component on one side and you see the output of that single component on the other side. Nobody like works like that. There's no view app in the world that's one single file component. Like I could see reacting to that and being like, wow, how, what is this? Why? Like, why wouldn't I use something where I can have a sidebar full of dot view files? Because that's how we actually work in real life. So like, sure, of course that would be cool. But remember the nature of CodePen is very like, it's about constraints in a way. Like the pen editor of today is like a little place and you dump in some HTML, CSS and JavaScript 
And people have done that literally tens of millions of times. So like there is some desire to work in like a constrained place and like on purpose because people form that mental model. Then this is a place where I go to do a little one-off thing with no strings attached where everything is ready to go for me. There's no NPM install, whatever, that's going to be some minutes in between my idea and what I'm about to do. So that's what it exists. But there, at, at the same time, wouldn't it be nice if you could have multiple view files? And that's when you kind of entered the story, Alex. Hey, Tessa, your new PB&J topping selector website is really blowing up. I wish it came in a mobile app version so I didn't have to bring my desktop to my kitchen every single time I'm hungry. Oh, tell me about it. But I don't know the first thing about mobile. I'm a view developer through and through. Oh, well. Are you telling me you haven't heard of Ionic? Ionic? It's a mobile app development platform that empowers web developers to easily make native, mobile, and progressive web apps all in view. That sounds too good to be true. How do I know if I can trust it? Well... Ionic is the technology behind about 10% of the world's mobile apps, including ones from Home Depot and Target. It's also open source, so anyone can contribute. Nice. But what if I need help? Well, Ionic's got you covered there, too, with their premium tools and services. Wow, that sounds almost as smooth as my favorite brand of peanut butter. But I'm no good at design. Don't Apple and Google have, like, super stringent standards on mobile user experience design? Well, that's the best part. The Ionic View library comes with over 100 native components and utilities, including animations and icons, so you don't need to design anything to get started. And Capacitor will take all your JavaScript and package it into a stunning mobile experience for you. Amazing! How do I get started? at ionicframework.com slash view. I can't wait to make everyone jelly of my new PB&J mobile app. Yeah, I think you had tweeted something out about like playing with JSX and you did a weird trick where you can change how JSX compiles. So for those of you who don't know, there's this thing called JSX, and it allows you to inline like HTML tags into your JavaScript and then run it through a parser and it will turn it into JavaScript, right? And there's a way that you can make it work in CodePen or in anything that uses JSX with Vue without needing like the fancy Vue compiler. And when you made that video and showed that trick, I immediately went, oh, oh, this actually fixes a thing that I was trying to do. And so I made it do the thing. And I had like a single file view component in the regular pen editor. And then I was like, okay, cool. Now I should be able to bring this one into this other one and like start importing view components into each other into different pens because pens have the ability to, they like export their JavaScript as a JavaScript file or something. Well, you're going to piece, isn't that how people build view applications? It's like your own abstractions of what should be a component. Like I have a component for my text areas and I have a image component because it does fancy crap. And I have literally 80 of these things. And then I piece my whole application together with my 80 view components. Right. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works. And so, uh, yeah, I messaged, we ended up started talking because of that through various channels and. Yeah, there was, I had started making weird tooling to be able to do imports of view components, like pen editor view components into other view mm-hmm. pen editor. Which was trickier components. than it seemed like, right? So, yeah. so you, you view people, you like a <laughs> dot view file is just an, somebody just invented that stuff. Probably yeah. Evan, right? Yeah, I don't know who invented stuff. You just like. That's totally an invented syntax. No, that's not native. No, there's nothing. It's based on that. on like web component structure, oh, yeah. I believe. Well, uh, yeah, with like the, the template, template tag, tag and, and stuff. Yeah, right. 
there, there was some spec, I, I think, back in the back in the day when that was when that was written that it was kind of based on. But I it, suppose if you picked one up and put it in an HTML file, it will not. It just will be blank, right? Because <laughs> there's no HTML actually. It's in a template tag, hmm. but it won't error. There's nothing invalid about it. I guess. Yeah, it's not as weird I, as JSX is. Yeah. It's kind of valid HTML. Anyway, whatever. It's still not really real. It doesn't actually do anything unless you compile it. So you ha- if you're using a view file, there has to be a build process. There has to be some crap that processes it into JavaScript somewhere. And Vue has its own thing. I don't even know what yeah. you call it, but it's a thing. And it goes through the thing, and then it comes out as JavaScript. But that thing, there's like all kinds of options. Like it can go through roll up and spit out in some way, <laughs> but there's uh there's all, you know, there's options. And I, I think at the time we built it, we probably didn't even consider that. We're like, does it work? Yes. Cool. Ship it. You know? Yeah. Not really thinking about the format that it comes out in and how useful that might be to somebody else. So there's one aspect to this that you got to understand. That's, that's weird and code pen specific. We have a quote unquote API, not really, not an API that you might think of it, but any URL at CodePen that's a pen, at the end of it, you can put .html or .js or .css, and it will look at that pen and just ship you a raw copy of that thing in that text. With the right, it'll serve it at the right content type and all that stuff. It's just like, just give me that stuff raw. So imagine you make a JavaScript pen and then you're going to like use it inside another pen. Like let's say you just set up a bunch of constants or something because your app uses a bunch of constants. You could then link to that pen .js in 20 other pens and they all have that use that same constants file. That was useful for a for a long time. Now JavaScript has ES6 imports. You can just type yeah. import thing. Well, guess what? Our, our little J, .js extension works for that. You can just type import constants from, and then a, the URL to a pen, .js, and it will just import it as a module. Magic, right? Magic. But now then you saw that and were tried to use that, I think, and it just yeah, was, was like, nope. I was trying to do that with the view editor, and it was like, no, no, you can't. You can't do that here. That doesn't know. Because us just not thinking about it, output view from the thing, which I apologize. I don't know what it's called. It's like a plugin, I guess. For that just output. I think it's just output common, probably. Common. I think you it know, was UMD. Or UMD or something. Yeah. Well, it was, it was running through Webpack, which has essentially no support for ES modules, which is was very surprising. But like, you know, we we dug into it, like going all the way into the documentation to try to get Webpack working because we already had Webpack set up. We had the single file yeah. component compiling all, all working. We just needed to tweak a Webpack setting, right? Just allow Certainly. ES, ES Output modules. format, ES6, whatever, like just let it be. Instead of, because UMD means universal module, right? It's not very universal though, is it? Because <laughs> you can't even import it, nor can you import common. If you if you have if you're using ES6 imports and you're writing a statement that says import foo from bar or whatever, it has that JavaScript file that you link to has to have an export statement in it. It has to say export foo from somewhere in it. And our so like Stephen was saying, there's gotta be a Webpack setting. Webpack is notorious for complicated config, but but config right. Surely there's a Webpack setting that's just like turn the switch and then it's output as ES6. But no, it's totally, totally, totally unsupported. Rollup, though, does support it. And we're like, oh, Rollup's going to be amazing. And then we found it's basically just as complicated as Webpack. But it does have the switch that you can turn. Yeah, it ended up being way more complicated than we were hoping for. Like, you know, the reputation of Rollup is is simplicity and all that. And I I think there is an element to that, but a lot of it's abstracted away. And so like as you get into it more, you're you get kind of lost in in it. And the documentation is just as bad as Webpack. Like just trying to find the right place for things was very, very difficult. And you know, I, my apologies to Webpack and rollup teams. They're they're incredible, incredible bundlers and they do amazing things, but Please invest in the documentation team there. Uh, it's 
It's very no view, docs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we do know what you're saying. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I feel like we've all struggled with Webpack and/or rollup configs at one point or another here. So yeah, so with, so then Stephen does finds the right switch. It outputs now in a format in which the output JavaScript says export component from self or whatever. Cool. That's now that cool .js format for our URLs has that in it. So without too much more magic, now at the top of your view single file components in the script area, you can write import my map component or whatever from some other pen. You can make 20 view pens and they all import from each other and it's all good all day which is cool. There was one little or trick is that we not only need to like process that file and make it available for use in other pens, it needs to work in itself too. It needs to like mount itself and then render itself. I think that was weird too, wasn't it? Yeah. It, so with the way it's set up, like for just regular pens, we have like an HTML template that essentially pulls in all the, all the CSS, all the JavaScript and all the all the HTML and kind of compiles that into an actual index.html web page with the external includes and all that kind of stuff. For Vue, we're essentially doing that behind the scenes too, where Vue is actually coming from a CDN. And then like there's just a small little script snippet in there that's mounting your Vue component to an app element or something like that. Mm -hmm. So with this new setup, we kind of had to adjust that to actually use the ES modules as well. So it's it's importing, you know, my component from the JavaScript and then it mounts that using using the typical... Um, yeah, view. it's not that weird, I guess, but it's a little weird because it has to support everything else CodePen supports. So like if you want to use Bootstrap, the way that CodePen users are uh, like aware of using Bootstrap is you open the CSS settings and you type B-O-O and then it populates to Bootstrap and you press return and then now that's just available to you well you don't have to like write that into your view single file component we just like bunk it onto the page for you we just put a link tag in the head that has bootstrap up and then it it's just available to you so all the, and that's one of like many features that do something similar on codepen for example there's a stuff for head section on codepen that's weird but in the in a pen like a not a view pen a regular pen on codepen you don't write the full html document did you know that? Well, you just write what's in the body. So you just write like div, rock and roll. And we know to like put that into a fuller HTML document context. The point is just to save you some time. That's the point of using CodePen. I don't want to write doc type, open bracket, exclamation point, HTML, doc type. Bleh. Like it's, yeah. just, it's just boilerplate crap that I don't want to write or see. Like I yeah. don't care. Every time that I have to like open up a blank file and go, wait, how does this start? It's a. I literally can't remember the last time I actually typed that. Like, it was years ago. (laughs) You can even make like legit mistakes. Like the HTML tag really needs to have a lang attribute on it, otherwise it breaks stuff. So trying to remember like the format for that recently, I was like, uh, I know like there's a lang thing in there somewhere, but what is that again? Is it it on the body or is it language? Yes. Yes. Yes, I have language. Yes. So we put that in there, but some people might be like, well, that abstracts too much for me then. Like, what if I want to put a meta, like, isn't there, there's a new feature called accent color on the web. Have you seen that? You throw a meta tag in the head and then it like on your Android browser makes the URL bar orange or whatever, just like whatever. It's the new thing. You got to have it. I'm going to have to. So if you want that on your pen, because you're going to you know, deploy it or whatever, bring it somewhere. Where do you put it? Because you can't put it in the HTML editor because that'll end up in the body and meta tags aren't valid in the body. So so whatever. Since the beginning of time, we've had a little special setting where you go into your HTML settings and there's a text area and it says stuff for head and you just put stuff in there, whatever you want, and we'll put it in the head for you. So like that needs to work in the view editor too, just because that's a code pen thing. And whatever. So anyway, that was a long-winded way of saying something not very useful, but <laughs> that even works in our Flutter editor, you know? One thing I'm curious about is I think I remember, like, the way that Vue compiles with Webpack. There's some kind of safeguard there for if you have a circular dependency 
What happens if you have a circular dependency with your code pens? Never. You mean, are you suggesting crossing the streams? <laughs> like if you Never import my component <laughs> from this file, like the pin itself, I, That's I a think our servers question. might explode. Yeah, I, might. I'm not I'm not positive on that one. So who's going to try? <laughs> I, I mean, try. of course. That's... <laughs> wait wait until after any. the episode comes out. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Yes. They run in a Lambda, just in case you're curious. Like, so like we take your code and we have a little AWS Lambda whose job is to spin up real quick, run roll up and give us back the crap. So if it does literally cause an infinite loop, which it absolutely might, I have no idea, <laughs> then just that Lambda will die and you won't get a response and you'll have bad UX, but it won't. Unlike the early days of CodePen where it was the web server itself, which might crash, which was an incredibly stupid thing to do, but that didn't last very long. But eventually we did start to like, for example, we'll run your SAS and we'll run your less and we'll run all these other languages for you. We're on other servers, you know, it was, wasn't long in code manager where we started breaking off those services into their own servers, but still you could, you know, there's one dedicated server for SAS. So one bad actor on that server that managed to do an infinite loop might actually screw up SAS processing for literally everyone trying to do that. Not uh, ideal. For, those uh, days are long instance, behind us. It's now okay. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Those days are <laughs> long okay behind now. us. You will only, you'll only mess up yourself today, but it is a fascinating. Of course you could do that, right? One imports the other and that one imports the other. And yeah, because it's going through roll up and it's using ES modules, I think you would only get into an infinite loop on the client itself like the client itself would error out in some capacity so yeah yeah, it would probably be up to the browsers and how the browsers are handling circular dependencies yeah you're right because it doesn't uh it just leaves it alone that's how i thought of it while we were working on all these projects is like where the hell is the leave this file alone button like i know we need to send it through your processing but like there's an import statement right there just leave it alone that's all i'm asking you webpack just leave it there please please (laughs) Anybody got any final questions? Not so much a question, but uh, feedback. I believe very strongly that the script tag should go on the top. I mean, you even said script tag at the top, but it's not. So I'm just going to leave that out there. (laughs) So in in the view single file component, like default template, you you want the the script at the top? I do. It's it's a very controversial subject, but I'm right. I think the style needs to go at the top, personally. Mm. Blasphemy. No. <laughs> Does anybody advocate for that? No. I can see script at the top because, we're, or we're template at have... the bottom because that's, if you're from React, like there's all this crap at the top and then generally at the bottom of React components is where the you finally get to the HTML part. So I could see that being a... Well, like, I guess, like, for me, it was literally the context in which you, you said at the top of your file in the script tag imports imports to me just belong at the top of a they file do. so like i'm a total you convert script, you've convinced me let's yeah do it. no we have the script tag like in the middle i'm like but my imports aren't at the top like what what crazy world is this and then your isn't all of the state that you set to yeah. the feels like should be at the top before you actually use the state yes. oh gosh you're really you get it i do get Ari's, it. I, I don't Ari's know if crusade for script tag at the top <laughs> uh, continues what does it do in the docs though doesn't it doesn't it, it literally change the world depending on what's in the view docs in the style guide it has said script first for about two or three years now because i will say the person who wrote the vast majority of the view two documentation was Another a proponent Chris. of script at the top wow so. okay See, I, I learned Vue like three or four years ago, so the old style is still embedded in my in my head. So it's gonna. I think stay we that can way. make this. Oh, is it? Oh, dang it! No, no, I, <laughs> I'm I'm perfectly fine to adjust. You think that. I I'll, could I'll tell Stephen to... what to do, but I really have. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have blocking commits here, so I'll just sneak it back out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll look at the Vue docs and see the latest there, because yeah, if that's the recommended. <laughs> Now, find, like, let's let's go for it. Find Ari's account and just change the <laughs> template just for her account, so she she sees it that way. Yeah, you can totally edit that, like in your pin itself. Like, it should still totally compile. Like, it it's, does. That, I tried that's just the default. Yep. But it was really annoying to have to hit Command X and then Command V. Well, 
<laughs> have, have you heard of code pen templates? This is a little known feature that's. Oh, I can uh, just make my helpful. own then. Uh, right. So okay. you can set up any pin as, as a template and just use that over and over again. So, you know, like our, our view editor has a whole bunch of like boilerplate kind of stuff in there, like, you know, app styles and basic template, just so people who are unfamiliar with view can get like a little preview of what view does. But, you know, that's kind of annoying if you like know what you want to do and want to type it all out, or you have yeah. like a basic setup that you want, you can set that up just in a regular pin. There's a template setting that you can set, or you can just URL hack it to make a template and go from there as as your view base. It's a little, con- you know, like the pen editor doesn't have anything. If you just go to slash pen at code pen, it's just blank. But the view, the view editor is like, it's so specific about what a dot view file is that I think it would be weird to get dropped there and have it be blank, wouldn't that? Yeah. It's, it's a much better experience to have stuff in there. It's It's yeah. more like, bringing up the hello world view app that everybody gets when you start view cli yeah. so that doesn't it's definitely the better controversial it seems like it would be weird to do any yeah i way. feel weird every time i make a new component and it's a blank file i'm like what is this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta you, go at least you don't have to type, type the doc script type. myself <laughs> but i finally caved and made a snippet just do my default Stuff. Is it just one file is nice too? Us us slumming over here in React Land, we got to make a folder, and then our house style guide is we make an index.js file that does nothing but export the named file. That way, you can your import statements look nicer in other files. Which to me is just bananas that we have to have a code base just full of these useless index.js files but whatever that's what we decided not salty well i mean apparently that's not just a react thing i know that my the back end where i work our node has a lot of that which was like a new concept for me so i guess now i know maybe it came from react well, I don't know if it does or not, but they're not completely useless because if you get it wrong, it will break the oh, yeah. app in very obscure, <laughs> hard to decipher ways. Yeah. Why so not only do you have to make rendering. that file, but then you have to scaffold the component itself. And then because it's React, not view, we have a separate file for the CSS. And then so like we don't just get a, a code snippet is insufficient. You need like an editor level snippet that scaffolds the whole damn man i am spoiled you are spoiled (laughs) complaining about making a snippet in vs code i had no idea (laughs) oh i worked on a view app once that did the whole index.view thing it was super fun trying to find which index.view you wanted or which table.view you wanted because the table.view under which folder no you think vs code should help a little bit because you type the name at least you get the folder autocomplete but i don't i don't know this is probably like tabs versus spaces, <laughs> holy war almost. Yes, we're walking. Well, we're walking no, the, the, the style guide actually has an opinion there too on how you should name the files and it is not by using folder hierarchy. <gasps> Flat structure. So eventually you just scroll a lot in your project. <laughs> <laughs> I like folders and flat. Like why can't it be a flat yeah, like, directory yeah. of folders? I feel like yeah. there, there's a time and a place where you really should have a folder for things that are really just related to this one specific thing. You don't need to know about that stuff unless you want to know about that one specific thing. But yeah. I'm a, but apparently, I have a three-year-old and I'm, I'm going to teach her about folders right away because it always freaks me out that kids <laughs> don't know what folders are because of their touch. Oh my screen. God. Yeah. I thought about that because like, yeah. They don't know. Like iPhones don't really have no. folders. I mean, they kind of do, but not really. Okay, I couldn't tell if you were talking about like physical folders or digital folders. It's like you're drawing paper, but it's for holding them yeah. and you put yeah. paper inside that. of it. We did what is an envelope last night, so I can use that as a metaphor. But is it a sandwich or is it a taco? Is it a paper taco? <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask, is, it, is a <laughs> no. folder a sandwich? But Paper burrito. <laughs> No, no, it's burrito. Not a burrito. That's, that's an envelope. An envelope. Yeah, that's an envelope. Burrito. I thought the yeah, licking would be the fun part for, her, but she just licked the same spot over and older. I'm like, no, you gotta go. You gotta do the full, the whole top. And then you get right. the paper cut on your tongue. The worst. No. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. So, Stephen and Chris, where can people find you on the internet? Chris, you first. Uh, I use my full name everywhere. I know controversial but i just chris coyer is my name i own that.net as my personal website which is a bit of a portal to everything else i do so just to not confuse things i'll leave it at that chris coyer.net cool 
Stephen? So most of my handles are S-H-S-H-A-W. That's just shortening of my name, but most most places just Shaw. So I also run a educational web series called Keyframers with David Korshid, and we do web animation tutorial kind of stuff. We do live streams and um, and have some content related to all that. We use we use CodePen for kind of live coding stuff, and it's uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, you can find that at keyframe.rs. Awesome. All right. Well, now it's time to move on to this week's picks. Tessa, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. My first pick is the Samsung Galaxy Buds Live. I think I haven't picked these before. So I like them a lot because they are wireless earbuds, but they don't have like the little silicone tips or anything, although you can get little silicone socks. For the bottoms, which I maybe have mentioned before, the socks. And it's nice if you don't need noise canceling because you don't have so much of the feeling of like there's something blocking my ear canal. And my second pick is Among Us, which I have picked before, but we are currently in the week before the new map, the airship map drops. And so I'm super excited for that. So that's pick number two. Cool. Ari. Do you have picks for us this week? I have a pick. I don't think I've picked this on this particular show before. But if I have, I don't care. I think some people know that I was on a different pro- podcast in a different life. But we don't speak of I that completely podcast. completely forgot. A <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, podcast that shall not be named. But no, my pick is a show called Derek, which you can find on Netflix. It is... So imagine they did The Office, but in a nursing home with the nursing home staff. It is truly one of the best shows I have ever watched. It will make you cry and laugh immediately after in a way that feels so human that if you have not watched it, you are literally missing out on life. So you should definitely watch Derek on Netflix. Is this also a Ricky Gervais show? It is. I only like laughing like a robot, so... (laughs) Well, maybe this isn't for you, Tessa. So that's okay. <laughs> Chris, do you have any picks for us? I like that we all do TV. Almost, yeah. Almost. That's yeah. fun. I have a I have a Apple TV. So I did the the free trial of the Apple Plus or whatever. So there's some there's a handful of shows that are unique to it. And there was one I was just at work in the middle of the day and I flipped it on. And there was a show called Calls, just C-A-L-L-S. And I was like, what is this? That's weird. It's only 15 minutes long. I'll watch that because that's about how much time I have. And it was like audio only. So it's like a TV show that's only on Apple TV, but there's no video. There is, but it's real minimal. It's just like a line between two names that has like the audio waves, almost like we like in Zencaster here, right? I'm in the and it's two people talking to each other, but it changes who's talking to each other. And it's a story that unfolds. And it was so scary. In 15 minutes, it was broad daylight in my office. I'm kind of a wimp about horror anyway, but it ended up being kind of horror-y, like thrillery. And I was like dead scared, like noon on a Tuesday, you know? I was like, that was <laughs> freaking scary. What? <laughs> so if you happen to have Apple TV, I know that it's like a little barrier to entry there in apple land but i I found it pretty good but on netflix a kid likes waffles and mochi the new like michelle obama food show is like real good yeah yeah that's a good one yeah cool steven do you have any picks for us well i do want to hear more about these earbud socks (laughs) were recommended so the earbud is shaped like a bean and so Ooh. it's like just a little silicone sock that covers the bottom half. Okay. A bean sock. So it fits better? Yeah. Maybe? <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. The idea is if they don't quite fit in your ears, I guess it adds it adds a little bit of bulk and friction. And also like, you know, the joy of putting little socks on your earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> and you can wash them, you know, hang them up on tiny yeah. clothespins. For my pick, my wife and I just finished rewatching The Last Man on Earth, which was a 2015 TV show. I forget what network it, it was on, but it's on Fox. Uh, Hulu. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's at the beginning of every episode. But it was a very premonition 
show, like a virus spreads throughout the earth and this guy is kind of left on his own. And so it kind of has all these themes of like isolation and pandemic and like, but it's it's framed in a comedy, but it does have a lot of like emotional depth uh, to it as well. And amazing actors like Will Ford and Christian Schaal, January Jones, Jason Sudeikis. It does get a little, you know, like heavy at times. So probably pair that with the other Jason Sudeikis show, uh, Ted Lasso. Highly recommend that on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, that's a much more uplifting show. Uh, but The Last Man on Earth, hilarious. Very, very enjoyable. It definitely hit different watching it after living through a pandemic. Because like I'd watched yes. it several times before, but it was... It hit different. <laughs> yeah. There there was an interview with him, with Will Fort, after 2020 started really happening. And he was like, yeah, we regret some of the jokes we made because it, it was just like so accurate and like seeing actual nurses wearing like protective equipment with like trash bags and things like that, which was like some stuff they did in the show. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was wild. Yeah, it's a very good show. Canceled probably a little too early, but it does have like four seasons. So it's it's worth uh, checking out. Awesome. Cool. So my pick for this week is I have convinced my wife to start watching Star Trek The Next Generation. She has never seen Star Trek. And so for those of you who also have never seen Star Trek, there is a website that has a really excellent list of episodes you need to watch. So they have a small list of three episodes where they're like, if you just want to taste, if you want a taste of Next Generation, here are the three episodes that you want to watch. It'll give you a nice like taste of what the show is like. If you want to watch a little bit more, you don't want to invest in the entire seven seasons. Here's 20 episodes you should watch. And these are like the really good, wow. really solid Star Trek episodes. And then here's the list of all seven seasons and everything that you can skip. <laughs> Dude, look so, at season one. You can skip like 90% of season yeah, one. Yeah, so season one, you watch the first episode, and then you skip 18 episodes, <laughs> and then you watch another episode, and there's like, like out of 26 episodes in like the first season, you watch five. This is not selling it for me. I, I just, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Season one and season two of Star Trek Next Generation, terrible. Really, you gotta, oh, you gotta work through those. Gets better around season three. It was made in the in the season of like TV where filler episodes were very much a thing. And like you had to have a certain number That's of episodes true. per season. And so like there was a lot of padding. I remember learning what the bottle episode is. You remember that yeah. term where it's like. Oh, no, not a bottle episode. I just watched the bottle episode on Community last night. <laughs> wow. So, but yeah, if you if you are wanting to introduce someone to Star Trek, this is a very good list. My wife has not gone off screaming yet. She does scream at the TV quite a bit about how things are wrong, which is good because that's how you should watch Star Trek anyway. And so, yes, that is that is my pick this week. I just want to say I find it, very amusing that you traded your wife watching Bridgerton for let's skip 90% of Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like maybe that wasn't fair for you. (laughs) I am enjoying Bridgerton more than I thought that I would. So don't admit that. I did not admit that I enjoy Bridgerton, darling, please. I don't think she's listening. It's fine. Cool. Well, and that's all for this week's episode. Thank you to Stephen and Chris for joining us on this week's episode. If you aren't following us on Twitter, head on over and find us at Enjoy the View Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you have time, leave a review. It really helps and makes it easier to find us. And finally, remember, the first rule of View Club is tell at least five to six colleagues about View Club. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the view. Enjoy the view.